how much faith is the right amount? Apparently, the disciples did not think that they had enough. One day they appeal to the Lord, increase our faith. How much faith is the right amount? Enough to be a good Christian. Well, sometimes I wonder if the great enemy of a large and robust faith is the secret suspicion that many of us have that all we will ever actually possess is a small and feeble faith, low expectations. Just because we are sitting in church now may not mean that we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. Perhaps a number of us would love it if we just wanted to love God like that. And as I've shared with you many times in the past, I think it is possible that the number one spiritual condition of the average person in the pew is something like this. Why does the gospel not make a bigger difference in my life? Am I the only one who asks that? It may be like my going to the opera or the ballet. I know it's beautiful and important and very well done, but sitting in the midst of the audience, I am saying to myself, I'm not sure I'm really getting this. Am I the only one? Lord, increase my appreciation. Now look, some of you all love the opera and you love ballet. That's just an example for me. Insert ice hockey, high school, calculus, whatever. You get my point. So I often read or listen to the Gospels, and I imagine the disciples, you know, being around Jesus, listening to him, and then casting secret glances to each other behind his back, like, are you getting any of this? What's he? What do we imagine Jesus' response to that is in us? Today's Gospel is from Luke It's a snippet in the midst of a fairly long section of hard teachings in that gospel. In the immediately preceding verses to what you just heard, Jesus has exhorted his disciples to avoid at all costs leading others astray through false teaching or bad example, not to give offense offense, nor to be um, taking offense from others. Jesus acknowledges that Stumbling is bound to happen, and repentance will be necessary. Forgiveness will be necessary. In hearing all of this difficult talk from Jesus, the disciples are not at all clear that they are up to the job, that they have what it takes. Lord, increase our faith. And as you heard, Jesus responds, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, And I imagine that Jesus is in the midst of his response and he happens to see a shrub nearby. And he says, if you had faith the size of a a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Now, obviously, Jesus is employing some hyperbole here, but we, again, get the point. Something as exceedingly small as a mustard seed, something that's actually hard to pick up with your fingers, it's so small, brings with it nevertheless 
unnatural power. A little faith, a little faith is a seed that may lead to big miracles. And maybe the big miracle that you hope for is increased faith. I want the gospel to make a bigger difference. Now, there is something here that is easy to mishear or misunderstand. In the original Greek, there are different types of if statements, I-F statements, if statements. In this case, we should not hear Jesus saying in a disappointed or scolding tone, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed and you don't, it's not what he's saying. Rather, in this case, in the Greek, it is Jesus saying in encouraging words, If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, and you do, it's an encouragement. You're following me after all. Doesn't make it any easier, but there is something there. Hearing it that way matters a lot to our understanding of the gospel. And I'll tell you something else that I think matters a lot to our understanding of the gospel, and that is our social environment. The particular aspect of our social environment here in this community that may be a cause of, I don't know, maybe a loss of imagination about an increased faith is the following. You've heard me mention this so many times. I imagine it's annoying when I mention it to you, but it is this culture of success and high achievement that avoids, in some cases avoids like the plague, the appearance of inadequacy the acknowledgement of challenge or failure, a confession of struggle. We, we tend in this cultural environment to stay away from those kinds of expressions about life. And many of us, however, can't help bringing that into the life of the church. Fearing that we may be the only one sitting in the pews who doesn't really get it, just like I may not get the words being sung at the opera, we bear it quietly We appreciate as much as we can. We go through the motions. Maybe we begin to wonder if it's really worth it. And maybe even over time, we begin to drift away from the church. It also may take this form, one of my favorites here, I say somewhat sarcastically, in a community where there are so many incredibly gifted and talented, successful people, all kinds of giftedness here, to hear others say something like, well, you know, I don't, I don't know how to read the Bible. And I don't, I, don't, I don't really know how to pray. I don't know how to talk about my faith. That's why we have guys like you, right? People on staff. Jesus would say, you want more faith? Heck, even a little faith can defy all expectations about what might happen. Believe that, Jesus would say. Believe that a little faith can go a long way, and you are, because you're here, already on the road to more faith. Again, Jesus might say, look at the, look at the pillars of the church in history, the apostles for whom churches are named the world over. Did they seem to you like they had it all together at the start, or that they were even with me day in and day out? Did it seem like they were trapped in a manufactured culture of perfection, they could hardly walk and chew gum at the same time. And Jesus would go on to say maybe to us, it wasn't their faith that was most important. It was my faith. My faith 
given to them through the Father. So if, if those words connect in any way with your life, now this is my voice, if those words connect with your life in the church, I want to just say, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. It is evidence that God is active and alive and on the move, even if in small, non-discernible ways. And remember how many times we hear in the Bible, all things are possible with God. You are not alone in the pews today. We all ask questions. We all wonder. We all doubt. As long as we keep honest about that, certainly in our own hearts and minds, but even with each other, as long as we keep honest about that and lay it before the Lord, that little seed may be growing. So Jesus learned this, that getting 12 men to execute faithfully at a high level was a real big challenge. But puny, mustard-sized seed faith was enough. How about getting 11 men to execute faithfully at a high level? Did you know that coaches in the National Football League, the NFL, those who coach the best football players anywhere in the world tell us that offensive plays are faithfully executed 10% of the time. And I wonder if ours is not exactly a 10% is acceptable kind of environment here. Well, it is in the NFL. That's about the best you can do. So think... For example, Isabel read so well, um, the opening lines from Paul's second letter to Timothy, a very, very affectionate late correspondence of the great St. Paul to his beloved younger protege. And right up front in the very first verses of this letter, Paul reminisces with Timothy about his upbringing at the hands of his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice and Paul is reminded in writing the letter that the tender but lively faith that Timothy has as an adult was planted by these little mustard seeds of his grandmother and his mother, Lois and Eunice. And, you know, look, everybody has heard of a St. Timothy's church somewhere, correct? What about St. Lois and St. Eunice Church? Maybe not so much. But after all, it was through them, as well as through the mighty St. Paul, that the gospel was implanted in this little boy who became a young man, who became a pillar of the church. Look at what mustard seed size faith can grow into. So how much faith is the right amount? It is one thing, and it is a very good thing to want an increase of faith, to want more. But I think the worst thing we can do is merely to despair that perhaps our faith is too small and will never change. This is just what it is. It's always been this way. We're stuck there. God will bring growth. God can always bring growth. At the same time, God gives us responsibility in creating the conditions 
for the soil out of which that seed may grow in ourselves. There's nothing new under the sun. The holy practices that Christians have always known to do passed down through the centuries of the church. We know what those things are. So I have a friend here in the community with whom I have been talking for some time now about this very matter of what would have to happen to grow in faith. And I had a conversation with this friend just in the last month that was great. And he says to me, okay, so you know, I know what you've been saying. All right, I'm getting up in the morning. I'm reading the Bible. And then, then I'm praying. And then in my prayers, I'm like, wait a minute. That was about me. And I'm going back and reading the Bible again. That's how it can happen. But again, maybe it's not the size of our faith, but the size of the Lord's faith that makes all the difference. A kind of faithfulness to us that is so large, we stand all these centuries later dumbstruck before its ultimate expression. Death on the cross for the likes of us who have so little faith and for those who have no faith at all for the whole world. We come to church, as you have today. We sit in the pews, we listen to the preacher, we go through the motions of the liturgy, and we we harbor this vague sense that maybe, well, at least we wish there were more. That is the Holy Spirit working, working the soil of your life maybe even now. And in the midst of that, maybe you hear the voice of Jesus. You see this mulberry tree? 